0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. I get this morning, hopefully, to do part three of three parts. And if I don't interrupt myself, we'll be able to do that. We've been speaking for the last little while about the Holy Spirit teaches us truth. He speaks truth. And it's in a broader context where we've been looking for several months at the restoring of the gift of prophecy, that the Lord wants us to step into a New Testament and a New Covenant understanding of prophetic ministry, that... While there is the shadow of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, the substance is actually to be found in the New Testament. And so with prophetic ministry and the gift of prophecy, which the Lord said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that was on the day of Pentecost, and my sons and my daughters will prophesy. So it's God's intention that his sons and daughters would hear his voice and would prophesy that we would step into the gift of Of prophecy. And so this is applicable to all of us. But we want to step into the New Covenant, New Testament version of that, and not to be stuck in an old wineskin, an old model, when we're actually trying to embrace the new wine. And we looked for a, a number of weeks at how Paul gave instructions to the church in Corinth. And now for these few weeks, we've been looking at the words of Jesus as he was speaking to his disciples and telling them about Holy Spirit. And this was super, super important because the context is the Last Supper. And so we've been in John's Gospel and the Last Supper actually begins in chapter 13 of John's Gospel. And then the rest of the Gospel is concentrated with just, you know, the passion of the Christ And then his resurrection and um, appearing to his disciples. And that's the end of the book. Which is different from the other gospels that spent most of the time speaking about his preaching, his teachings and the miracles. But it's only the first 12 chapters in John's gospel that are about three and a half years. That's extraordinary, yes? Yes. So into this, chapter 13, we get the the setting for the Last Supper. And then Jesus begins to teach. And it's now the 11, because Judas has already slipped out, to go and set about betraying Jesus. So Jesus is speaking to the 11. And he's giving them instructions about Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit was coming to do. Yay. All right. So would you turn with me? To John chapter 14 and verse 16 and Jesus says and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor or an advocate Just another is allos and allos means another the same as the same type the same kind so another the same as all right and then paracletos Uh, An advocate, a helper, a comforter. He's the one who comes alongside. An advocate is one who pleads your case in front of the judge. He stands up for you and pleads your case. And so Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will come and plead your case, and he'll come alongside, and he'll stand with you, and he's going to be the same as me. Another one just the same as me is the Spirit. And then he's going to elaborate on that in chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16 before he goes into the prayer about unity. And he goes into the prayer of unity because he's going to spend a heap of time in chapters 14, 15, and 16 speaking about the unity between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And then he can set about praying the great prayer of unity. This is extraordinary. Now listen, when John wrote this gospel, there were no chapter breaks, there were no chapter headings, there were no verses. It was just a recording of all of these things that Jesus was saying. And we some you know we break it out and we you know take little bits, but it was in the context of a whole long teaching that Jesus was giving. And it was obviously the Last Supper, the most important um, sort of time in terms of Jesus' earthly ministry. He came. For the cross. And so in this sort of critical highlight uh, time, he is, in a sense, saving the best for last. And he's bringing this enormous revelation of who Holy Spirit is and what Holy Spirit is coming to do. Verse 16, let's try that again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, counselor, to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth and we're going to see in the three chapters the spirit of truth comes through three times in successive chapters in other words jesus wants us to know who holy spirit is and what he's going to say remember the context the context is chapter 14 and jesus starts out chapter 14 and he says Don't worry, be happy. He says, don't trouble yourselves. Don't be troubled, it's going to be okay. I'm going to go. You guys are going to get very confused, but don't be confused. I'll be back. (laughs) All right, here's the original. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll be back. I'm going to the Father. You know the way to the Father. Because you know me, I am the way to the Father. In fact, I am the way, the truth, truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. The I am statements of Jesus. I'm the truth. He says, now there's another one exactly like me. Spirit of truth. My words are truth. My words are life. The Spirit is coming with words of truth. They'll be words of life. It's exactly the same. So Jesus says this over and over and over again. The guys weren't the brightest. Jesus had to say it over and over again. It's not just that the boys weren't the brightest, we're called the sheep of his pasture. Mm -hmm. Chris was a sheep farmer as well at one time. He understands this whole thing of why God would refer to us as sheep. Because we don't always get it the first time. And so we're so glad that Jesus repeats things so that we can get to those aha moments. Oh, okay. So, So this is important. Yes. You said it three times. Yes. Is that because it's important? That would be because it's important. Oh. All right. So Jesus is going to say things again and again because he's trying to get our attention to the importance of what he's saying. Okay. Okay. The spirit of truth, verse 17. Now the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Wow. Just now we're going to see Jesus is going to say, boys, it's a good thing that I go away because when I go, then I'll send the spirit and then he will be with you and in you. It's good for you that I go because then I can send the spirit. If Jesus was on the earth, he couldn't send the spirit. Says so it's really good that I go. And the guys are kind of like panicking, perplexed, like don't leave me. Emmanuel, God with us. Don't leave us. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you. The spirit will come. It's good. It's not bad. It's good. Why? Because we're stepping into upgrade. When Jesus walked the earth, one place, one time. And if he was asleep, he wasn't talking to you. Like, Remember the the boys? They're on on the lake, storm, they're in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. The boys are freaking out because Jesus is not speaking. He's not saying anything. They're going to wake him up. So that he can speak something and calm the storm. But we have the spirit who's not constrained by being in one physical body. The spirit can be everywhere at the same time, all the time, never go to sleep. Upgrade. It's good that I go because then the spirit will come. It's a good thing that we have Holy Spirit. Yay? All right. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's jump to verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Make our home, the whole thing of dwell, tabernacle. Yeah? Can we see how these things all fit together? Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Okay, two things here. Jesus went against the culture of the day then, and he goes against the culture of the day today. Jesus is not worried about cancel culture. He's not worried about making you feel good necessarily. He's saying, obey. It's kind of like, what? Who are you to tell me what to do? Uh, He would be God. Yeah. And so your, you know, fragile feelings Need to submit and come into alignment with what he says he's got some really hard sayings, yeah uh, he feeds let's let's do an estimate. He says there were five thousand men, all right probably they had one wife. Probably had a couple of kids with them. We know the kids were around because it was a boy who brought his lunch. So, you know, large families in those days probably didn't bring the whole family. But they went out to go and listen to this famous traveling rabbi. Word got out on Twitter, Instagram. Everywhere's like, I want my selfie with Jesus. They were th- out there in their thousands. Maybe 25,000 people got fed. It's a lot of people. Okay? Way more than we're cheering for the rugby. Okay? It's a lot of people. He does these miracles. They are so taken with Jesus. Jesus crosses the lake. Not a problem. These people sprint around to the other side of the lake, form up another crowd, For the next installment of free food. Yeah? And Jesus said, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the crowd just goes, Cancel. It's like, Who is this? This is too hard. It turns to the disciples. Are you guys also on your way? They're kind of like, ah. Uh, oh, we were thinking there was another rabbi. It was a bit easier. <sighs> but, uh, uh, problem is, mm, you're the only one with the words of life. Guess you better stay with you. But if we found someone else, we might also have gone. Sometimes we romanticize the struggle that these guys were going under. It's like Jesus was not popular. He had hard words, tough words. People were out to kill Jesus from early on. That's why he kept ducking away to lonely places and telling the people that he healed, don't tell anyone. My time for the cross, it's not yet. Don't provoke this thing more than what needs to be. People were, Jesus was a controversial figure. Hard sayings of Jesus. Go through the eye of a needle. Or well, who can be saved? Tough, tough sayings. If you love me, obey. Put your feelings aside. Put all of the woke stuff aside. Put all of the contemporary thinking aside and obey. Deny yourself. Follow me. But I need to be fulfilled. <laughs> Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. you saying, guys, I'm telling you all these things, I'm still with you. Because it's coming just around the corner, it's just a matter of hours, and I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to be dead. And then you guys are going to freak out. But I'm telling you this now so that when it happens, you can begin to realize and things can begin to dawn on you that actually I am who I say I am. Verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Pause. Whom the Father will send in my name. Okay. Again, Jesus is coming at them with this teaching, but from another angle. And when he says, "In my name," you know, sometimes people use this thing about pray. Anything you ask in my name, you will get it. And they think it's just like abracadabra magic formula to get your prayers answered. Please, can I have a Ferrari and a Porsche and a big bank balance and a this and a that in Jesus' name? Amen. And if I can do it in Jesus' name, then I'm going to get it. No, no, no. Hebrew understanding, there's code in the Hebrew. When somebody came in the name of someone else, they were coming representing that person, representing their nature, their character, and their will. So when we pray according to the nature of Jesus, the character of Jesus and the will of Jesus, he wills it and we pray the things according to his will, then his will will be done. He answers those prayers because it's his will to do it. When we pray in his name, we're praying according to his nature, character, and will. Then he says, I'm going to send the Spirit in my name. The Holy Spirit is allos parakletos. is another, the same as he's coming in the name of Jesus. He's coming in the nature, the character, and the will of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not going to go off something else, okay? Because he's needing to refine some of the teaching. Because he told them a little while back, in the early years, listen: the wind, the spirit, the nūma, the ruach, the spirit of God, the wind of God, the ruach of God. He blows wherever you don't know where he's going. So, I'm like, okay, if we only base our understanding on that one picture, we're not going to understand the other aspects of the nature of who the spirit is. So now he's saying again and again and again, he's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. He's the, truth. He's the advocate. He's the helper. He's not coming in his own name. He's coming in my name. He's coming to do the same things that I was doing. He says, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is setting up here. He's saying, listen, my words are the Father's words. Jesus is the living word the word made flesh, the eternal word, he's saying the word actually originates with the Father. So he and the Father are one. Which is why he prays the prayer in John 17, which is the conclusion of this passage. Verse 26, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate will come, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He will teach you all things. So he's going to be a teacher. He's going to be a guide. But remember, Jesus was the teacher. Remember the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. Hey, teacher, what shall I do? So Jesus is the teacher. And now the Spirit is coming to teach us. He's coming to do the same things that Jesus did, Right? Not only that, but he will remind you of everything I've said to you. So he will bring to your remembrance the words of Jesus, the instructions of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. He will remind you of what Jesus has said. Now, on first application to the 11 who would record and write what we now have as the Gospels, they are accurate because the Holy Spirit, who is God, reminded them and inspired them to record accurately the very words of God. So he reminded them. But in a greater sense, to all us disciples, he reminds us, he brings back to our remembrance what, what Jesus said. And so his word, which becomes alive in us, steers us, guides us, teaches us how to live, that we might live a life that pleases him. Helps us to obey him because he's going to teach us, he's going to teach us by reminding us what he said. This is beautiful. Yeah? This is make you, f- yeah. All right. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So he's repeating this thing again. Because they're going to face heaps of fear. Which is like they thought Jesus on the cross, they next. So they barricade themselves in this room for a few days. They're really, very nervous. That's why Jesus just did a... Into the room there with them. Remember? Okay. These guys are afraid, barricading themselves. But he's saying to them, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm telling you before this happens. There's going to be some amazing things that are going to go down. But, whoa, peace, okay? Verse 28. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Just a little something I wanted to pop in here. For the Father is greater than I. When we get a misunderstanding of the nature of the Godhead, we can come to a misunderstanding of headship. Jesus very clearly states here that the Father is greater than him. Corinthians says that when it's all been done and every enemy has been made a footstool, been under Jesus' feet. You know when somebody goes hunting? And then they stand on the animal like, I've conquered this animal. Yeah? That ancient serpent. Look what I did. And then, when every enemy, everything is under his feet, then he takes it all. And then Jesus presents it to the Father. That everything, he might be the all in all. It's speaking of the Father... Being the head of Jesus. The father is greater than I. Are we understanding this? Because otherwise we get into some crazy kind of theological tangles that we then apply into our relationships as husbands and wives. I'll just park it there, I'll come back in a few months. But if you if you abandon verses like this, you're gonna get tangled into some other ways of arranging our lives. Okay. Verse twenty nine. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen you will believe. It's kinda of like, whoa. These guys did believe. They said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. They did believe. Jesus is saying, listen, when I rise from the dead, then you really believe. It's like, but they did believe. He said, but the believing went up a notch. And, you know, as the Holy Spirit brings things to us, we believe, but we go to a higher level of belief and understanding and revelation. This is this beautiful thing about the Christian journey is that we continue to grow, we continue to expand, we continue to mature in our faith, in our belief, in our believing. Yay. Amen. In fact, God is so like enormous, huge, big. It's going to take us all of eternity to actually grasp the magnitude of who he is. He's really big. It's like, you thought you could do three years of Bible college and get him. No. All of eternity, that's how big God is. We don't serve a small God. It's kind of like, yeah, I've got this all figured out. Oh, good luck to you. But today I have news for you. He's big. Amen. He's really, really big. I'm so glad we serve a big God. Amen. You see, it's, it's false religion that wants to fashion a small little idol that you can keep tabs on. And you can completely, you know, it, it can do this, but it can't do that. It's allowed to do this, and it's not allowed. It's going kind to of, Really? Are you telling God what he's not allowed to do? Really? Oh, think about that a little bit. Yeah. Think, think about that. Verse 30, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He's speaking about the attack of the enemy, Lucifer, who was working through Judas and all the, those who conspired against the Son of God. All right, but ultimately, it was the enemy who was behind all of this. For the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold over me. Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible... May this cup pass. However, not my will, but yours be done. Complete and absolute submission and obedience to the will of the Father. Jesus was our role model. He demonstrated absolute submission to the Father. And as the firstborn son, giving us the example, we too, must live in submission to the Father. People think submission is a swear word only because they don't understand the kingdom meaning of the word submission. When we submit, we're in right alignment with who He is. Rebellion is non-submission. Rebellion is I'm going to do it my way. You're not aligned with his ways. Submission is I'm aligning myself to him. And because he's good and he's perfect in all of his ways, when we submit we find that our ways become perfect. Submission is not a bad thing. Submission is a good thing. It's the enemy who wants to say submission is bad, because why? He wants to entice us to rebel and do our own thing. And so he's twisted the meaning of this word submission. Park that for another sermon on another day. How about we jump to John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus said, when the advocate comes whom... I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth, see it again? Who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Hey, this is echoes, if you like, or a prelude to what he's going to say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Stick around in Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness a witness testifies so he's saying over here the spirit the advocate he's going to come and he will testify about me and then you also must testify about me Mm -hmm. okay how about we jump to John chapter 16 and verse 7 but very truly I tell you it is for your good that I'm going away unless I go away the advocate will not come to you but if I go, I will send him to you. Cool. When he comes, what's he going to do? He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you More than you can now bear. Tricky little sentence there. We'll come back to that. But when he, the spirit of truth comes. How about this? Again, he's saying spirit of truth. When he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, so Jesus is saying again and again and again. Okay, he's saying, boys and girls, it all starts with the Father. And what I say, my words, these are not my words. What I say, these words are from the Father. Hallelujah. So I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Amen. These are not my own words. Yeah. Is, I just, I've just i come in perfect submission and obedience to the Father. He says, likewise, the Father is going to... Send the Son, and I will then send the Son. Okay? We see this in, in Acts. Peter does the, 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 uh, the preach on the on the day of Pentecost. We've covered this in the first six months of the year. And and he says, This is the promise of the Father. What you see in here is the promise of the Father. When Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father in majesty, he received. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and this has now been poured out. So again, Jesus is saying, listen, the Father is going to send the Spirit, and I'm going to then send the Spirit, because what what I say comes from the Father. So these are not my words, they're the Father's words. Now, because I've received from the Father, and I've, in a sense, received the promise of the Father, which is the Spirit, now being poured out and the spirit is not going to come and do and say what he wants to do and say, he's going to take my words because I'm giving my words to the spirit. But where did I get the words? Well, I got them from the father. So the father and the son and the spirit complete unity and harmony in unison in terms of what they're saying. Which means there's no need to be afraid of the Spirit of God. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Because He's coming to do exactly what Jesus came to do and to say. Yay! Cool! Are we good? That's the beautiful theology. What's the practice? I'm glad you asked. Because we're talking about New Testament prophetic ministry. What has this got to do with New Testament prophetic ministry? Everything. Because if you miss this basis. Then you start mimicking. The fortune teller. At the local carnival. And turning the Holy Spirit into some kind of a psychic. Psychic instead of going back to the Scriptures to see who the Spirit is and what the Spirit has come to do and say. Not only that, but we do a little bit like what happened, you know when the boys went off to Babylon for 70 years? In Jeremiah, he writes them a letter, says, You bad boys, you. Not just because you didn't you know, let the land lie fallow every seventh year. Not just because of all this other stuff. But on top of that, you persuaded the prophets to have false dreams. You enticed and persuaded them. You enabled them to give you false prophetic words. He said, stop it. Don't do it. You know what? The body of Christ enables false prophets. By enticing them. Longing. I nearly used some bad language. I could use it, it's in the scriptures, but it would be a little abrasive right now. But there's, there's, a, there's a lusting after something that is beyond what we should be going after. And we're turning New Testament prophetic ministry into fortune-telling. So let's just quickly, for the next half an hour, go through 11 things. What did Jesus say at the Last Supper regarding what the Holy Spirit would do? For visitors, I'm not going to take half an hour, okay? Can we have extra few minutes? Is that all right? Okay. Okay. You didn't even know how long the service was going to be. It was kind of like, an hour ago, I thought he was, re- okay. It's cold outside, it's warm in here, you might as well stay. All right. What's the Holy Spirit come to do? Firstly, in John chapter 14 and verse 16. And I will ask the Father, will give you another counselor to help you. The Holy Spirit's come to help us. He's the helper. He's going to strengthen. He's going to encourage. He's going to build up. We saw that in First Corinthians 14. So he's coming to strengthen us, to help us. Emmanuel, God with us. Yay. Cause us to be victorious. Cause us to live the God life. Cause us to be overcomers, setting us up for victory because we're part of the family. We've been adopted into the royal family. Yay. Unfair advantage. Christians have an unfair advantage in this world. So take advantage of it. All right. Number two. And be with you forever is that Emmanuel. God with us I won't leave you as orphans be with you forever okay so number two be with you forever number three in verse 17 for he lives with you and he will be in you yeah so wow he's going to constantly morning noon and night seven days a week 52, 52 weeks in the year, all the days of our lives, you'll be with us. You'll never walk alone. You don't even have to be, belong to a football club to be able to claim that. Okay? You'll never walk alone. He will always be with you. Yeah. Number four, uh, from verse 26 of chapter 14. When the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send him in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit becomes your teacher. Jesus is the great teacher. Now Holy Spirit is the teacher. In other words, he's going to take the words of Jesus and he's going to sit down with us until we get it. He's going to teach us what the words actually mean. So that the word will not return void it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Amen. So we have our, our own personal tutor, God himself. God himself is our tutor. Amen. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah? So the Holy Spirit is going to teach, going to instruct. Yo, oh, my goodness. All things. All things about the king and the kingdom. True. All right? He's got solutions about every sphere of life. That's why we ask him to give us divine inventions, innovations, blueprints, solutions. No matter what we're facing, God's got an answer for it. Yeah? Number five, also verse 26, and I will remind you of everything I've said to you. We've covered this already, but he's like scripture will come to your mind. You're just driving in your car. Next thing a scripture comes to you as you're driving in the traffic, and you were thinking more about the taxi or whatever it is, but then all of a sudden, like that's that's not you, that's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing something to your remembrance because there's something that he wants to speak to you to encourage you. That's God Himself by the Spirit, He's going to remind you of what you need. For what you're facing. Yay. Remind you of everything I've said to you. Verse 26 says. And he will testify about me. So when Holy Spirit New Testament prophetic ministry. Is to testify about Jesus. It's not about to testify about you. And how great you are. Or how great the prophet is. It's about how great Jesus is. A prophetic word must bring you closer to Jesus. Glorify Jesus. Yeah? Testify about me. Number seven, uh, let's jump to chapter 16 and verse 8. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, in the wrong about righteousness, and the wrong about judgment. The Holy Spirit will prove that the world is wrong. Yeah, the whole world can be saying something, but it doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? it's going to say, listen, what you think is right is actually wrong. I mean, the whole world is, is calling, you know, what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. Yeah. That's what's happening in the world now, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Can I say it from a platform like this? Yeah. Okay. So, no, straight relationships are wrong. I mean, that's the emphasis. Everything else that was considered wrong is now called right. And what was right is now actually of no value. As though it's wrong. Why should something like this be so controversial in our day? Is it like, what? Have we collectively lost our marbles as the planet? Answer, yes, we have. Yeah? Okay. Stay focused because I've only got another half an hour. <laughs> prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness. You see, the world says, listen, if you do enough good things that outweigh the number of bad things, you get into heaven. And The Holy Spirit's come to prove that that's not right. It's wrong. righteousness doesn't come from your good deeds. Righteousness comes from your good belief that Jesus is the one. He's the way, the truth, the life. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus, not through good works. So righteousness doesn't come from your good works. Righteousness comes from your good belief. So he's coming to prove that the world is wrong in its thinking. Come on, every funeral you go to, it's like everybody's going to heaven. I actually haven't been to a single funeral yet where they said, sorry guys, the sucks in hell. We're just here for ourselves today. It's amazing. Like I, not one funeral, and I've been to a few, as you can imagine. Not one have they ever said didn't make it, eh? Dunkabiki. And you will prove the world to be wrong about judgment. There is a judgment. Make no mistake, there is a judgment. The enemy is going to be judged. And those who want to belong to the enemy and his ways, well there'll be judgment too. But we don't have to face judgment if we're in Christ. We don't have to. But there will be a judgment. Okay. Number eight. From verse 13. He will guide you into all the truth. Because he's the spirit of truth. And he will guide you into truth. It's, you know, Ezekiel had a, had a, had a foretaste of this. He said, I will take out your heart of stone. I will put within your heart a flesh, and I will move you to walk in my ways. The Holy Spirit will teach us, steer us, guide us, cause us the way, the truth, the life. So he will guide us and teach us the truth, which is the way to eternal life. Yay. Yeah. Guide you into all the truth. It's like, "Hey, don't go there. Don't watch that. Don't have that attitude. Stop it. Do more of this. Good job. Keep going. You can do it. Don't give up. Stand. Sing. He will guide you. Number nine, also verse 13. He will tell you what is to come. Ah. He will also, amongst the many other things, also tell you about what is to come. It's not the only thing that prophetic ministry is about. Yes, He will also tell you about what is to come but it's not the only thing and interestingly enough jesus when he told the 12 about what's to come most of the time most of the time it was in general about the coming of the kingdom he prophesied about the coming of the kingdom He didn't spend a lot of time. Hey, Bartholomew, your throne is going to be that one. I prophesy that that'll be the, that'll be your throne. You know the twelve thrones, Oh we don't even know if they are going to get them. Who are the twelve? Are they the patriarchs? Are they apostles? Did Matthias really qualify? I mean, they just threw some dice, and he got it. All right. right. Focus. Jesus didn't spend a whole heap of time telling them about, you know, the new donkey they were going to get. The new house by the lake. How many kids they were going to have, whether they were going to be boys or girls. You're tracking with me? He was speaking about big and grand things as he spoke about the future. Number 10, he will glorify me from verse 14. We've touched on this. And number 11 from verse 12. Oh, tricky one. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. God's got more to say. Jesus said, chaps, I've been with you three and a half years. Recognize that it'll take us all of eternity to figure out who God is there's more to say to you, but it's more than you can bear now. But when the Spirit comes, He'll help you. Think about it. He's bigger than the book. When you limit God, who is the infinite one, to a finite number of verses, you can count them. Mm -hmm. You are restricting God. Now, now, He's consistent with the revelation of who he is in the word. Okay, so we're not coming with crazy revelations. We're not coming with newfangled doctrines. All we're saying is he's bigger than what's already been revealed. Because if it's going to take us all of eternity to understand the height and the length and the breadth of his love, what about the other aspects of his nature and his character? In other words there 's more to discover about god he 's bigger than what 's been written in the book. however he won 't depart from what 's been revealed he will be it will be in alignment with what he 's already revealed, but it'll go deeper and further. but this is where it needs great Care, discernment, test, way, judge. Walk it out in community, not in isolation. Yeah. When you do it in isolation, hey, i got this revelation. Oh, it's me, eh? I'm his chosen one. And you... No. Okay? But there is this, this thing like... There's more to come. There's more to be revealed. There's more to know. Okay? Jesus said it. It would be much easier if that verse wasn't there. You know, it would save a lot of people a lot of hassles. Just say, mm-mm. It's like... Sorry. Can I have an extra, extra, extra 30 seconds? With the, Re- with the Reformation... Right in 15, was it 17, somewhere there? Martin Luther puts his 95 theses on the door of the castle at Wittenberg. And one of the things with the Reformation was sola scriptura, only the word. Sola, Latin, only, scriptura, the scriptures. Okay, my two years of Latin actually paid off. And they say, only the Bible. What was the context? The context was the Pope, his edicts, his writings were considered of equal weight and value as the Scriptures. Whatever the Pope said was God said. And they were saying, no with the Reformation. No, the Pope is a man. Sola scriptura is the word of God. Not the Pope's letters or writings or whatever's, Because there were some really rotten Popes. Corrupt. Corruption. Yeah. Okay. So sola scriptura was about, hang on, the word is the word of God, not what the Pope says. That's what the meaning of sola scriptura is. Not what the cessationists want to take and say there's no supernatural, there are no healings, there are no miracles, there are no prophecies. God is not doing anything. It all stopped with the last of the apostles, sola scriptura. Ah! No. Wrong application of what was discovered through the Reformation. Please go and study church history. All right. It would be easy if that's what it meant. But it doesn't. So it's harder. And with this verse, it means we've got to be yielded to the Spirit. If it was just rules and regulations, easy peasy. That's why our continent struggles so much to walk in the Spirit. Say, just give me the rules and tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's like, no, it's not about rules and regulations. That's the old covenant. We are in the spirit. No, but just tell me, don't drink, don't smoke, don't watch movies. No. It's like, what's the spirit saying? He will lead you and guide you. Yeah, yeah, but just, just, no. Get out of that bondage to the law and live in the freedom of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, but Sola scripture. No, no. There's more to be revealed. This is difficult. Exactly. That's why we need each other. So we can make sure that we're in the truth. We're in the way. Paul, he gets all these revelations. He goes back to Jerusalem to test his revelation. He says, boys, am I on the way Or am I missing it? He submits himself to the council in Jerusalem. All right. Can I land it? You say, please. All right. Here's the punchline. Here's the punchline. Jesus was the teacher, yes? Jesus was also the prophet. I mean, he's God, right? He's the prophet of all prophets. He never made one mistake with his words. Never told a lie. Never got it wrong. Every prophetic utterance, ap- absolutely accurate. Father, he says. He's the prophet of prophets. And he's a New Testament prophet. I mean, he ushered in the New Testament. He is the role model of New Testament prophetic ministry. yes. That would be yes. Okay. So, how many prophetic words did Jesus give that were personal and directive and predictive to individuals? How much of his prophetic ministry was given to that? Versus how much of his prophetic ministry was talking about the coming of the kingdom? The vast majority of his teaching and his prophetic utterances were about the coming of the kingdom. Now there were some where he spoke to individuals and he told them some of it is a mixture of word of knowledge. Some of it is prophecy. But this is not an exhaustive list, but I was just thinking through some of them. Like Nathaniel. Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under a tree. You're without guile. What? You saw me under a tree? You must be the son of God. Okay, so there was this word of knowledge, prophetic kind of thing that was going on. Thomas, Jesus rocks up, and he exposes whatever Thomas, yes. the exact things Thomas has said. Jesus wasn't in the room when Thomas had said, unless I, I won't believe. Jesus says, but, here you go, come. Thomas, like, oh, I believe. All right. How about Peter? Peter? Peter got two words. Yes. It's like there's a rooster It's gonna crow three times. Yes. No, that's not the word you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, that was a word. Another word was when you're old. Yes. They will take you off where you don't want to go. Yes. Yeah. It's like oh he says, What about the other guy, John? He says, Don't worry about John. Yes. We'll take care of him. This is like, let's worry about you. Judas, what you're about to do, go and do quickly. Okay. How about the rich young ruler? One thing you lack. Go, sell all your possessions, give to the poor, follow me. He just gave one oak, that uh, that word, and he couldn't follow through on the word. How about the, the prophet gives him a word, and he rejects the word? Interesting. How about Jairus? Your daughter's good. It's fine. She's just sleeping. It's going to be all right. How about the centurion? Send the word. It's good. Yeah? How about Lazarus? He says, boys, another three days of picnic. We're only going to go there on the fourth day. Because this is going to be for God's glory. Yeah, but he's sleeping. Oh, master, it's good that he sleeps because, you know, when you sleep, you get better. He says, you dumb oaks. He's dead. But he must be dead for three days. And then we'll go. But master, it's the fourth day and he stinketh. It's the King James. So Jesus prophesied into that. Okay. The woman at the well. He says, come get your husband. He says, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're jolly right you don't. You've had five and the hook you with and not your husband. It's like, "Woo, come and see a man who told me everything. Hmm. But there's very little prophetic that, you know, you need to change career. You need to change your car. This is who your life partner is going to be. This is how many kids you must have. This is your ministry. Prophesy great ministry. You're going to be... He just says, testify about me. If Jesus was the prophet of all prophets, and he didn't... Spend the majority of his time prophetically giving people personal, predictive, directional prophetic words. Why are we as the body of Christ hankering? I nearly used another bad word. We're prostituting that gift. We are enablers through putting a draw on prophetic ministry instead of my sheep hear my voice. The Holy Spirit will be with you and in you and he will guide you and teach you and lead you into all truth. You've got the spirit of truth. In that sense, you don't need another prophetic word. You can have them and we will do them. But hold them accurately. They come as confirmation to what Jesus is already speaking to you by the Spirit. Flat flate. May story is eight. Let's stand. Again, can I thank you so much for just the extra time because I just wanted to try and package this together and, and close it off Yeah, so thank you for that can we pray yeah spirit of truth you've come to speak truth you've come to bring the words of Jesus the way, the truth, the life You've come to lead us and guide us. To strengthen us. To comfort, to enable us. To live a life that pleases the Father. You've come to bring the words of the Father and of the Son and make them real to us. To reveal who the Godhead is. That we might commune, be in relationship with our Father. Holy Spirit, we say have your way in our hearts and in our lives. Cause us to step into a level of prophetic ministry. That we are living signposts. Pointing to the risen King. That we too testify and glorify the Son of God. So help us in our journey, Lord. Thank you that you are with us, in us, alongside us. So as we go from this place in this week, speak to us. Your servants are listening. Strengthen us. Cause great courage to come into our hearts. That we might stand for truth. Not be wishy-washy. Not just go with the flow. That we might know who we believe and what we believe. And having done all, we still stand. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. May your peace flood us. Peace, not the way the world understands peace. May we understand your peace. Let our hearts not be troubled. May we know you more and more. Cause us, Lord, to grow in our belief and our trust in you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your strength, your provision, your protection. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody joining us online.